warm in here. Turned way down, so it may just be God. I'm not sure. He may be bringing the heat this morning. So, I'd like to begin this morning in what I want to share. It was born in a comment that Ann Voskamp made in the video that we watched together two weeks ago. For those of you who were here, just did a remarkable job of teaching of the reality of grace that brings thanksgiving and then the thanksgiving that brings joy. It just is a beautiful video, and if you want to watch it, I'd be glad to give you that information. But she made a statement. It really caught my attention for two reasons. One is because I'd never heard it taught before. I'd never heard the the teaching behind it. And it also fell so in line with what I believe and what I teach and what I think is so drastically missing within the Christian church today. I think that there needs to be a drastic correction And I'll share some of that with you this morning. And it's not because we don't love each other. And it's not because our hearts are not in the right place. It's because somewhere, and I believe we would know where, we've really missed the significance of what God is trying to teach us and trying to tell us. Her comment was based on this scripture. So if you want to turn there with me, I'm going to Genesis chapter 2. Her statement was born out of this scripture. It begins with, uh, with verse 18, Genesis 2, verse 18, and it says this, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmate. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper. Anne mentioned in her teaching, again, something I had never seen, that it was in the naming of these animals, going one by one and naming these animals, that God gave them significance. And I want you to think on that for just a second. It was in the naming It was as they were being brought to Adam. Before they were brought, they were a being that carried no name. They were a being that had no uniqueness. It was in the naming that God gave them significance. Think about this as it began to unfold. That one by one, as this began to happen, as they were brought to Adam, that he would, from wherever God would create that moment, he would give each of these creatures a name. And it was in that that they became unique. Everyone now having an identity. Everyone having a purpose. And every one of them knowing exactly how they fit into God's creation. This was no small matter. Again, I'd never seen it before. It never had even been raised to a level of my attention. But when she said it, something shifted in me. And I knew that there was a powerful truth that was coming out of this teaching. That God found it so necessary, so important that not only would this happen, but that he would record that this happened within the scripture. That it was important that every creature have an identity, a purpose, a significance, and know how they fit within God's creation. All held in that one phrase that says, and Adam gave names to all. I share this because of this reason. Over the last seven years that I've been here, God has done unbelievable things. 
we have seen miracles, we have seen drastic changes in people's lives. People delivered and healed and restored and life given back to them. We have seen relationships built. Walls come down between families and between wherever they happen to be. We've seen unity grow within this body. And the story is one that I love to tell. I love to tell others about you. I love to share what God is doing. I love to tell of the supernatural reality of how this story is unfolding. Because it's such a great mystery to me to see how God is building what he's building. But there's one area. If you ask me, do we need a heightened focus? Do we need awareness? It would be right here in this topic. Because we are still, to me, in the, in the situation, not only here, but across the world, in churches, still having somewhat lost a focus on what God would have us to know. I hope that I can make myself clear. I hope that I can share with you the importance of this. Because it's in this one thing, it's in this one situation, that God has also given you significance. It's in this that God has given you purpose. It's in this that God has given you an identity. And it's also how God makes you fit. And here's the reality of it. If God thought it important enough that he would bring these beings to Adam and have Adam name them, what do you think the significance would be now? That he would also have us come before him and that he would give every one of us a name. Can you process that for just a second? Hold that in your head and in your heart for just a second. That if God thought it important enough to name these creatures, how much more it would be necessary and important for him to name you and for him to name me so that I would know my significance, so that I would know my purpose, so that I would know how I fit within creation. And we haven't even been taught that we should have a name, that we have a name, that God calls us something. That is a brand new teaching, and it's one that is totally missed across the faces of churches. Not just here, but across the world. I share two things from my teaching, and I want to share them with you because it's kind of the basis of what I need to tell you. The statement that God named the animals and brought them to Adam reminded me of why Satan worked so hard to change your name. Why Satan could care less about what you do. He doesn't care whether you're a great success or a miserable failure. He does not care. Satan wants to do one thing to disrupt your life, and that is to give you an identity other than what God gave you. He has that single purpose. Why would that be so, so big? Because if he can just change your name, you lose significance. If he can change your name, you lose purpose. If he can change your name, you lose the uniqueness of who you are. If he can change your name, you will not know how you fit within the creation and the kingdom that God is building. By simply giving you a name other than the one God gave you and getting you to believe it, he will remove your significance. And I tell you, not just in churches, but across the world, People are wondering about their significance in this story. We don't know how we fit. You don't have to talk to people very long. They don't know where they fit in this story. 
So all that we're reduced to is a yesterday that looks exactly like today, knowing that our tomorrow is going to look exactly like our today and that the rest of our life will not change much because I don't know where I fit. I don't have uniqueness. I don't have creative purpose and I don't have significance within God's story. And so we just go about our day, day in and day out with no great change. What happens when we lose our significance? What, is, what difference does it make? When we lose it, what will begin to happen is that we're going to focus on trivial and insignificant parts of our lives and live in a world of drama and frustration. If you don't know your name and the significance that it gives you, then we are much more tempted to focus on unimportant things. We're much more focused to live in a life that's filled with drama, filled with tension, filled with frustration, filled with disappointment, because we don't know the significance of what God has said. It's kind of in my head. I wonder how many people here are living the significant story that God wrote about you. Think about that. Am I living the story God wrote? Well, maybe one of the reasons that we don't live that story is because we don't know the name that God gave us. We don't know that he gave us the name that sets that story in motion. When we lose our significance... We will focus on trivial, unimportant, and insignificant things. What if we don't know our purpose? Our name gives us purpose. What if we lose our purpose? What happens? Then we live constantly examining ourselves. We'll examine our jobs. We'll examine our relationships. We'll examine our sense of fulfillment. When we lose that purpose, the one that came with our name, then we will lose confidence by its nature make us start examining ourselves processing ourselves instead of executing the purpose that God intended our eyes turn inward and we start examining and finding fault with what we see I know some of you sitting here are understanding exactly what I'm talking about I'm not significant so I focus on unimportant things I've lost my purpose and I'm constantly examining myself What happens when we lose our identity? If we lose it, we begin to produce fruit that will bring brokenness where blessing was intended. You take somebody whose name is Grace, somebody that God says, this is what I call you, that your name is Grace. And Grace, by its very name, was intended to be a blessing to others so that as you release the goodness of Grace to others, that their lives are changed and you receive the blessing from releasing who you are. But I tell you, if that name gets altered and misunderstood, that name, Grace, will bring heaviness on you because you don't know what to do with it because you don't understand the identity that God gave you. I'll give you some more specific examples in just a minute. What happens when we lose our ability to fit? I hope that you're getting this in your head. If my name brings significance, my name brings purpose, my name brings identity, My name allows me to know how to fit just as it did with the animals that God named. If we don't know our name, we're losing these things. What happens when we lose our ability to fit? And here's a real powerful one. Then I will not for a minute know exactly how I connect with you. You see, it's it's in that ability for me to know my name and you to know yours. That God then allows those two things to be powerfully connected. And I tell you what, most people feel very, very alone. Because they don't know how they fit within God's story. Because those natural connections, those natural things that we should feel for each other are lost 
because we don't know who we are. God made a big deal out of names. He's the one that established the significance of this. This is one of the stories. When I was a junior in high school, and at that time, buying a senior ring cost $25. But as a junior, you had to put down a $5 down payment to get the ring. So I went home and told my mom, I need $5 tomorrow. And she looked at my dad, and they both looked back at me and said, I'm sorry, we don't have it. I will never forget going back and telling my teacher that I didn't have it. In those moments, Satan told me, you're poor. See, that's not something being said about me. That's now an identity I carry. I am a being verb. I am poor. That's me. And then he lied to me along with it and said, but if you can make enough money, you can erase that name. So for the biggest part of my life, I chased money trying to erase the name that Satan had given me. When I was about 30, and, and I, I wish I had a clearer memory of exactly how this happened. But a series of things unfolded. But at the end of a year, a difficult year, God spoke these words. S- somehow, he spoke these words. You're not, you're not poor. I call you wisdom. That's your name. It's wisdom. I can't tell you how many things changed on that day. I can't tell you what that did. Because suddenly, with that name, I had significance in this story. Suddenly, I had purpose within this story. I had uniqueness that God would call me a specific name and that that name would bear a very natural fruit and take away the frustration of my efforts. My name is Wisdom, and I know how I fit in this story. I know my purpose. I cannot tell you how many things changed in my life and how I live and what God has allowed me to do simply because I refuse to believe that old name anymore to say I am not poor. That's what Satan calls me. That's the name he gave me. God has called me wisdom. And I'm not ashamed to tell people that that's my name. I'm not ashamed because that is, if if God's going to call me that, then I have no hesitation to share it with others. Many of you have heard names like this. You're not worth it. You're worthless. You do not matter. I'm dealing with a young lady right now. That's her name. I don't matter. That's the one Satan gave her. A young man whose name is Torn, T-O-R-N. To some he would say, you are alone. Again, that's not a situation or circumstance. That's a name that you carry. You are abandoned. You are ashamed. You are dumb, stupid. You are a disappointment. Every one of those names that he would attach to us. And if we believe that about ourselves, if my mind comes into agreement with what Satan just spoke, I will lose significance. I will lose purpose. I will lose uniqueness in my identity. And I will not know how I fit. And Satan's work at that point is done. He does not have to worry about us again. He doesn't have to touch us again. He does not have to do anything with us again. All he has to do is to get us to believe something about ourselves, less than what God has spoken, leave us alone, knowing that, oh, that new name, the false one, will begin to produce a false fruit that doesn't look anything like what God intended. And that's how we know ourselves, the way the world around us knows us, by the old name that we have believed and accepted. Two teachings. One, we have been sold a bill of goods. And I know that's a pretty strong statement. 
that this book is designed to teach us what to do. It is not. There's not a single page within this scripture designed to focus, to bring maximum attention on telling us what to do and what not to do as Christians. You can go back to the Ten Commandments. You can go back and you can, you can read them. But there's significance in every one of those phrases because what God was trying to get us to understand, what God wanted us to know, is not what to do. Because I, I can tell you, that has had a devastating result. Because it has created a world full of performance-driven Christians believing in their mind that if I know the do's and I avoid the don'ts, that somehow God would be pleased with me. And it's created a performance-based Christianity that has established judgment that says, I'm better than you because I figured this out. It's created denominations, it's created separation, it's created distance, and God never intended for this book to teach us what to do. This book was designed to teach us who we are. If I know who I am, I'll know what to do. You don't have to teach an apple tree to produce apples. It knows what to do because it has an identity that is unique, a purpose that brings it into the story. It's about identity. And we've been sold a bill of goods and there's churches of different denominations sitting around saying, I figured this out, I know what to do and they've got some other version, they do what they want to do, we do what we want to do and all that has done is created division and very performance-focused Christianity and we wonder why there is no peace, why there is no unity, why there is so little joy and thanksgiving when God has shown us such amazing grace. God desperately wants us to know who we are, but, but not that alone. David ran this video clip of Charles Spurgeon. You saw the date on there in the 1800s, about 1850, when he actually spoke those words. Every bit of it, and I'm not criticizing this, don't, don't misunderstand. But all of Christmas, all that is going on is designed to teach us who God is, to tell us about the names of God. Let's just read this together. If you want to go there with me, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 1. I'll begin with verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call, now listen to this, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and he knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. The first gift of Christmas was a child. The first gift, a little boy. Would it have been a strange story if they hadn't named him? How would that play out today? Had God not found it important enough to name this little boy? 
We read in the book of Isaiah in chapter 9, it says, And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I mean, it was name upon name upon name because God wanted us desperately to know who he is, to know the name of Jesus, to know by identity who he was, not what he would do. He wanted us to know his name. He wanted us to know who he is and who he would become. And it says in Philippians this, Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And there it is, us in relationship with him. Every knee bowed and every tongue confessing that Jesus is Christ. How can this relationship be what God intends if we don't know what he calls us? You see, everything about Christmas is designed to teach us his name, Emmanuel. But that's only half of what he wants. Yes, he wants us to know who he is. But how's that going to work if we don't know who we are? How strange it would be for me to walk up to the Father Emmanuel, God with us, the Prince of Peace, Counselor, wonderful, all the names. If I walk up to him and I stick out my hand and I catch it, knowing his name, knowing that he's, what he's fixing to say, and for me to say, well, let me introduce myself, my name is poor. I wonder how strange that would sound in the ears of the Creator who says, wait a minute, who told you that? Who told you that your name was worthless? Who told you that your name was insignificant, unimportant? Who told you that you did not matter? Who told you those things? He says, I'm the one who named you. I'm the one who created you. I gave you a name so that you would fit. I gave you a name. It wasn't poor. So I could stand here this morning with my cardboard testimony saying, I once was poor. And now I am wisdom. Can you share your testimony? I was, but now I am. Can you tell those things? How strange this story is for us to know God's name and not know our own. If I were to ask you, could clearly say this morning, I know my name. Now part of the reason that we struggle with this is because first of all, we've never been even told that we had one. We've never been told we have a name. Never been taught that there should be any expectation that God would want you to know your name. We approach this almost like God's got this big secret and he's got, he's got this envelope or this notebook and he's got your name written in it and somehow we're trying to coax him into telling us. I want to tell you, God is telling us every day. He wants you to know your name. With every time that Satan comes with the old reminder that I was poor, every time that something would happen in my life to remind me of that, God was whispering, no, you're not, your name is wisdom, and I never had the ears to hear it. God is telling you every single day your name, and he's trying to get us to have the ears to hear it. He even tells us in Matthew chapter 13, let those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Those who have eyes to see, let them see so that you can know those things that I'm trying to tell you. 
the deep things, the powerful things. I want you to know God is anxious this morning for you to know your name. Part of it has to begin with this confession. God, I know what Satan called me, and I will never be called that again. I'm going to only hear what you call me. I am not poor. Doesn't have anything to do with money. My name is not regret. My name is not shame. It's not my name. A young lady, 5.33 in the morning, standing at the window, hears God say one word, promise. She knew immediately because her prayer had been, God, I want to hear my name. Standing there at that window, seeing if it was snowing that morning, a young man driving with his grandmother hears the name, pray, and he knew his name. A young woman came and asked me, she said, why do I keep hearing this word? I keep hearing it in my head over and over. See, it written on everything. And I said, what's your prayer been? She said, I want to know my name. And I said, well, I think you got it. It was a billboard. Day after day with her name on it. He wants you to know. Why? Because he wants you to have significance that he gave you. Not that the world gave you. Not that your family gives you. He wants you to have significance that he gave you. He wants you to have purpose that he established. He also wants you to know that you don't just look differently, which is quite amazing that we can all look so different, but that he created us to be that different inside so that we become something beautiful when he puts us together. He wants you to fit. If you're feeling alone, it's not because you're being rejected. It's not because you're unloved. It's because we so often don't know how to fit because we don't know our name. People come and ask me, I'd like to help in the church. Just give me something to do. It's really hard. I'd rather you do based on your name because that's God orchestrating something supernatural that I can't do. That's different. I ask you this morning, it's not easy to have a ministry time for this, for this kind of service. Make it a purposeful prayer before the Father. I want to know my name. And then listen really carefully in the random things he says. I find more of God's voice to me in the random things that don't fit with anything else. When God begins to speak and it's like, that thought in my head didn't come from anywhere other than that had to be God. I have learned to pay attention. He desperately wants you to know your name. Visiting with Adam Ariano several years ago now, we had this question. To be able to say in that moment, I know what God calls me. Faced with another question, because then it says, am I going to function under the name that God gave me? But boy, what a huge step when we know our name. God made it that important. If he told us, Adam named all these animals because I wanted those animals to be significant, have purpose. If he went to the trouble of so beautifully telling us the names of his son, the names that Jesus would be called, why would we make it an insignificant thing, unimportant thing that God would name us? What does it do? Anybody who tries to change your significance, change your purpose, change your uniqueness, change your, how you fit, it won't work because you know your name. Put it before the Lord again. Ask him, what is my name? You know the most unusual thing? 
most of the time the people around you already know your name because they've been watching you produce the fruit. Your friends may already know your name. Ask them. They've been examining the fruit for a long time. Let them tell you the name of the tree. Spend some time with them. Find out your name. It's the most important thing I could tell you as a church right now for us as a body is that you know your name, that I know my name. Because then God will sew them together and create something supernaturally beautiful. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you this morning that you have brought this about. By that message that Ann spoke, to bring this to the significance of the truth. If you thought it so important to record in your scripture that Adam gave names to the animals, that they would have significance in a name, then we too should expect that we have been given a name by the Father that would also give us significance and purpose and uniqueness and tell us how we fit into your story. So I pray over this body this morning that individual by individual that you would begin to speak and that when you speak it, that we would be kind enough and considerate enough to believe you when you say it. Because it's going to sound funny in our ears who have believed something about ourselves wrong for so long. When you speak the truth, it's going to sound odd in our ears. But I pray, Lord, that we would have the ability and the faith and the willingness to receive what you're going to tell us. Because it's going to be remarkable. It is unbelievable, but it will be 100% us when we hear it. I pray this morning for the release of that understanding, the release of that knowledge, so that the names would come easily and that we would be immediately able to receive them. We just speak that over this body. In Jesus' name, amen.